I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Tim. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome to the dog days of summer. Because it's hot out there, Paul. That's what I'm saying. It's hot. It was like 103 degrees here yesterday, here in Virginia. Jeez, a It. I mean, wow, it is just insufferably hot. Cue Tim. It was 75. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> Tim almost put on a sweatshirt. Yeah, that's right. I had oh, a long sleeve a- shirt on. It was fine. Oh, gee, I got a little chill. <laughs> <laughs> Two willikers. Yeah. Ah, oh, cheese and crackers. <laughs> That's our Tim. Oh, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna relish this because in December <laughs> the worm will turn. Yes. Yeah. So that is true. Well, one place I hope it's not 103 degrees is out in San Diego right now, or Anaheim, I should clarify. Uh huh. And why is that, Paul? Well, because D23 Expo is going on right now. Well, not right now, because right now it's 6 a.m. in the morning. Um, but there are people probably camped out on the sidewalks. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. There are people in lines right now. Yeah. Okay. So I got two questions, Paul. Yes. When did Detroit get 23 rappers instead of 12? (laughs) Well, and what, and and what, and what is D23? So D23 Expo is the basically Disney's version of Star Wars Celebration or Comic-Con or whatever. It is a Disney convention. It's three days. It's um, biennial. So it's every other year. Um, And so, uh, you know, because Disney owns Marvel and Star Wars and Pixar and of course its own original properties, D23 is essentially the convention for the things that you love. Um, Because uh, this morning, uh, unfortunately about five hours after we're podcasting is when they're going to have their uh, Disney movies panel, which will include news on Avengers infinity war, captain Marvel, things like that. But um, yeah, right now it's going on. It started yesterday. And so it's new, you know, it's, it's panels and news and reveals on things like, um, parks, movies, Marvel comics, Marvel movies, Star Wars stuff. Uh, in fact, on Thursday night, they revealed um, a giant model, scale model, of the new Star Wars land, which is supposedly called Galaxy's End, um, that they are opening out in California and Florida, and it looks pretty damn awesome. Um, they also revealed a giant sh- statue of Thanos, which, as of the time of this recording, there were three other statues that are covered up that won't be revealed until after um, the Marvel uh, movie panel today. So lots of big news coming out of D23 Expo regarding Marvel and Star Wars. That's pretty cool. It is. I, 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 you know, it's, it's one of those things you kind of wish you were closer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I thought about going. I genuinely thought about going. I just didn't get off my ass and, and make it happen. So You just didn't run out there? I didn't. I mean, I'm not Forrest Gump. I, I, I can't run to the other end of the country. Aren't you, Paul? Aren't you kind of Forrest Gump? I'm, I'm Forrest Gump if Forrest Gump was overweight and less runny. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited about what's coming out of there. So we'll have more on that, like I said, if that little bit of audio got inserted a couple of minutes ago and probably next week when we record. Um, however, more exciting than anything going on at D23, the most exciting news I read this week is that Spirits of Vengeance will be returning as part of the new Marvel Legacy initiative. Um, so there's a new book called Spirits of Vengeance. It appears to star Ghost Rider, Blade, Damien Hellstrom, um, Satana, and uh, apparently a new character, or I should say Damon Hellstrom. Um, it is written by Victor Gishler with art by David Baldian. Mark Texiera will provide covers. Ooh. So this is a new ongoing series from Marvel? Uh, you know, they, they, I think it's a six issue miniseries until they, you know, see how the sales look, but I'm, I'm very, very excited about the return of the Midnight Suns or, well, like I said, they, they're calling it Spirits of Vengeance, but it's the return of the Midnight Suns. Well, I loves me some Damien Hellstrom. I love that guy. And, I, I, I'm, I'm totally down for that. Oh yeah. And I saw Blade, uh, it, Blade made a guest appearance in Defenders number two uh-huh. and it just got me fiending for a new Blade book. <laughs> I, th- I really thought Paul was going to say it, and I saw Blade at Whole Foods t- uh, last week, yeah. and he's very excited uh, or, about returning no. to the comic landscape. He was buying some bolt chickpeas. And, uh... <laughs> Who needs four pounds of chickpeas? <laughs> What's wrong with you, Blade? Uh, 
some cranberry I, juice. That's right. But uh, yeah, Midnight Suns is great. And, you know, Victor Gishler is really a good choice to write that book. He writes some really good supernatural fiction. So uh, I think he'll be a good choice for that. Have you read any of his uh, any of his uh, novels, Paul? I have not, but I am one of the few fans of his uh, Marvel comics work when he had the X-Men versus Dracula storyline yeah. a couple years back. He's good at that stuff. Yeah. I like him. So, you know, Marvel Legacy, they've been kind of um, sending out announcements periodically. Uh-huh. Uh, so I shouldn't say periodically. They've been just kind of like dripping them out one by one. Um, so they're renumbering a whole bunch of stuff, you know, based on and they're and they're justifying all their renumbering. So, you know, like Luke Cage number 166 is coming out and it's because they're combining Heroes for Hire and previous iterations of Power Man and Cage and Power Man and Iron Fist. Yeah. And they show how they add up to get Luke Cage 166. Uh-huh. And that's some bullshit, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, there, that, there's that, a whole bunch that, of wrong stuff in here. That that is some that is some crazy math, and you know, if that's how they feel like accounting works, somebody needs to audit their books. I'm just uh, saying. They did they did show their work though, Aaron. So, <laughs> they did go. show their work. It doesn't make any sense. Uh huh. Like they have Hulk, but they include all the 58 issues of Tales to Astonish that did not include Hulk, um, right. And did not include the original six issue volume of Incredible Hulk, but magically it's Incredible Hulk number 709. So, you know, that kind of happened. Yeah. That, that, again, I call bullshit. Yeah. So speaking of Hulk, so I uh, I read – finally got around to reading Civil War Two. You know, I picked it up for like three ninety nine or whatever in a recent Comixology sale. Oh, yeah. I said I was going to read that. I didn't. Well, it's terrible, Paul. <laughs> um, it, 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 it is just a terrible book. I mean it is so, it is so much a book written for the purpose of launching other stories. Um, as opposed to being a worthwhile story in and of itself. Um, you know, it's it's it, like, for instance, there is a whole point of this book that is to launch the Champions book. Champions, which is a book I really like, written by Mark Wade, And I read that uh, first volume uh, a couple of weeks back, and it's really good. I dug it quite a bit. But Civil War II is bad, and the reason why I bring it up is you mentioned the Hulk. Bruce Banner is killed in the pages of civil war two is he still dead he's still dead but i believe he has returned well i shouldn't say he's still dead i believe he has now returned in the pages of secret empire i'm, I'm a little behind on it okay all right i'm so far behind on what's actually current in uh, the marvel books because i'm not reading much of them but uh i was like huh wonder how long that'll last and you know not to be cynical about it but you know, it was clear, hey, let's let's kill a couple of big characters. So, you know, they kill him, they kill Rhodey, right? In yeah. Civil War II. Spoilers, by the way. The 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 only thing that's worthwhile about the book is the art is beautiful. Um Is that David Marquez? I believe so, yes. Yeah, the, the current and it, artist it's, on the... Yeah, it's just gorgeous, but the the story written by Bendis is terrible. Is just terrible. I can't believe at some point somebody didn't say, Hey, let's not do this. <laughs> you well, know, well, I mean, let's let's be fair. Other than Star Star Wars, how many how many Marvel books are you guys buying? Uh, I am buying Darth Vader. Star I don't know you said other than Star Wars. Uh, I, I am buying. There's something else. Oh, uh, Thor. Okay. Yeah, I'm doing the the. And by the way, Tim, I don't mm-hmm. know if you listened to that episode you, that you weren't on, but the uh, the new War Thor is fucking amazing. I mean. That book is so up your alley. It's like it, it, it's it's like it's an anal probe. It's so up your alley. I mean, I you know I have oh I'm not I'm not I can't I'm not buying it in current issues, but I did pick up the uh, first volume of Totally Awesome Hulk because I do kind of like Amadeus Cho, uh, and that's not a bad book. But I'd also like to point out his character is in Champions, which is why I picked up that book, um, and that's what got me wondering. Hey, I wonder if if Banner is still dead. So. Okay, so you're saying he's he's over in the pages of Secret Empire. Yes, yes. All so, right. Well, you know, one thing that I didn't list in our outline, but I'm going to bring it up anyway because it's also comic news. Was we that are off the rails, off the rails already, already uh-huh. off the rails. Is that um, DC announced um, a Green Lantern Earth One Volume One uh, graphic novel? That actually looked pretty good too. Yeah, it's uh, written by Karina Bechko, who I am uh, got to be honest, unfamiliar. not familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, she is. Um, it is the wife and husband pair of writer Karina Bechko and writer artist Gabriel Hardman um, are teaming up to bring Green Lantern into the Earth One verse. 
And um, Gabriel Hardman is a fantastic artist. Absolutely. I, you know, I love his Planet of the Apes work. Uh, he, he's just he's just fantastic. He did a little bit of uh, Fantastic Four back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 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 fantastic. So I mean that alone will bring me in. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think that book looks pretty sharp. Yeah, I'm very interested. So we'll see how it is. Um, so in other news, the new issue of Dark Days came out this week, Aaron, leading up uh-huh. to DC's Metal. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how they want you to feel about metal, actually. (laughs) I think you're right. I think you're right. So from Scott Snyder, James Tinian IV, Jim Lee, Andy Kubert, John Romita Jr., Scott Williams, Klaus Jansen, and Danny Meeky comes Dark Days, The Casting, Um, Prelude to Metal. Aaron and I read this this week. It continues the story that um, Batman is searching for the ninth metal. Um, or the nth metal, as we know it, um, you know, and his journey to to uncover the dark multiverse as it uh, is, you know, plays into the upcoming DC metal storyline. Lots and lots and lots of stuff happens in this issue. Um, I feel like it's a very wordy issue because they're trying to get a lot of information at you. Yeah. Aaron, what do you it think? Is, it is... It is way exposition heavy. Yeah. You know, if you were uh, flying with limited fuel in your in your helicopter, you would have to dump some of this exposition. Otherwise, you, you wouldn't be able to, to, to get where you're going. I mean, it is it is, you know, a tonnage of exposition. But uh, I will tell you that some of it's fascinating. Um, you know, it's, it's a little prehistory book, right? <laughs> uh, you're, you're getting you're getting to read uh, archaeologist John Carter's and you know him better as Hawkman uh, field notes. And, you know, you're, you're seeing that John Carter's kind of kind of been around for a lot of stuff. Hey, Aaron, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Yeah. Carter Hall. Isn't that what I said? You said John Carter. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I said Carter Hall. <laughs> I just want to clarify. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, our, our archaeologist Carter Hall, otherwise known as Hawkman. Um you know, he he created, sponsored the creation of uh, of uh, oh gosh, the flying group, the black, uh, the Thunderhawks. Thunderhawks is that right? Blackhawks. 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 Sorry, yeah, yeah. Thunderhawks was a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's not right. Uh, the Blackhawks and uh, Challengers of the Unknown, and that was a really nice tip off. To challengers, particularly since we got a challengers book coming up. Yes, um, and I love I love the suits they were wearing for challengers. Oh yeah, uh, the artwork on that was was brilliant. Uh, there's a lot to like about this book, Paul. Uh, not the least of which is the forbidden science stuff going on and the what appears to be a great old one that they summon up. Um, but then there's also a large quantity to dislike, and of course I'm talking about the art of one John Romita Jr. Uh, <laughs> I found I found his pages distractingly bad. Um, there were there. I mean, I will I will give credit where credit is due. He did a very strong job on illustrating Talia. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, I what I realize he's he's better at is close ups on women than he is on really anything else. Um, I, I just I hate the way he draws Batman. I, I, I hate the way he draws most things. But the rest of the art is the, the rest of the book is just gorgeous, and I love the the story that we get between you know Hal Jordan and Duke and uh, uh, Joker. I, you know, I, I thought all of that in the cave was fascinating, and Joker going, "Don't you get it? I'm being the good guy here," <laughs> <laughs> you know, as he's trying to bash Duke's head in. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I I like this book a great deal, and I think it's queuing up the the whole metal story. In a rather interesting fashion. Yeah. What though, I, though, the one thing I will say, though, I'll just add this. I am surprised there are so many caves in this story that the world just doesn't collapse on itself for being hollow. <laughs> fair. Fair point. Yeah. Um, I liked this issue quite a bit. I feel like for me, and I know this is kind of funny because I'm always complaining about decompressed storytelling. I feel like I wish this issue was double the length with the same amount of exposition. Um in that it, it feels like they are jamming a lot of information. I, I read this issue twice because yeah. I, I, you know, you cannot rush through this issue and get everything out of it that they want you to get out of it. Right. Um, there's just, I mean, especially in the scenes with the Joker, mm-hmm. um, there's yeah, a I mean, ton the, of exposition. The Joker is just dropping knowledge on you the whole time. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you're just like, Oh, wait a minute. He's not just ranting. This is actually 
valuable information. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, yeah, you have to really pay, more so than than you than you ever have to with the Joker. You really have to pay attention to what he's saying. Well, and it seems like the storyline is definitely going back to at least the storyline Endgame where Joker was, you know, portrayed as potentially immortal. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, maybe even further back than that, because they reference things like the Bat God that was in um, The Return of mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne and right. uh, Grant Morrison's run. Like, they, they definitely, I mean, I'm sure this wasn't planned, this wasn't planned back then, but this has definitely been planned for a long time in Scott Snyder's run. Yeah, Snyder is certainly co- connecting threads. Yeah. Uh, my only concern is that, is Dubilex dead? I couldn't tell. Yeah. I couldn't I, tell. Uh, you know, it certainly yeah. seemed that way, but, you know, it's comics. Yeah, he could have just <laughs> passed out. That's right. I uh, know. I, I love this book. I am I am super jazzed for this uh, storyline. Yeah, I think metal is going to be great. I really yeah. do. I think we're going to get some interesting uh, stuff. I, I think it's going to be... You know, the fact that they're advertising it as metal, you know, you get the the reveal of the other bat figures at the end of this issue. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's just going to be a badass story. I That's all I, I mean, I don't think it's going to be the best crossover ever, but there's a cover with Batman riding a dinosaur. And, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. So, you know, there is an aspect to this book that reminds me of the original Secret Wars. Yeah, absolutely. In that, in that it feels like it's designed to sell toys. Right. I mean, not that I'm, I'm like, oh, man, this is just designed to sell toys. But I recognize the fact that they're introducing eight new Batman characters. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, well, that, that's a you know, on the cynical side, it's like that's a that's a drive to sell some toys, which, you know, I'm down for. I'm, I, I need those toys. Yeah. But uh, on the other hand, it's just so well done. Uh, but I will say. There is a scene in the book where Wonder Woman shows up and says, hey, Batman, you really can't be doing this. You're you're knocking on heaven's doors and and, and this is a problem. And Batman's like, well, you know, I got to get there. And he goes, well, if you're going to do that here, you need this special sword given by the gods. Right. Yeah. So Batman's romping around with with this new, you know, it, it's almost like he's Thundar the Barbarian because he's got a, a spectacular sun sword. Right. And so he's uh, he's Batman the Barbarian. And. Later in the book, he runs into Talia, who has an a, a she has a ninth metal blade. Yes, and he is flashing around with this sword, which is an eighth metal blade. And he says, "Hey, I really need that ninth metal blade. Why don't I give you this eighth metal blade, and we'll just play swapsies?" <laughs> so, and and she's down for that. So they swap. Here's the thing: you were given a sword by Wonder Woman, a sword of the gods. <laughs> That you just gave to someone else. He re-gifted is what he, he did. did. I, I, so I'm thinking that, number one, rude. Alfred raised him better than that. And two, I'm thinking Wonder Woman might have something to say about that. And if she doesn't, perhaps the gods do. Yeah, I, I feel like that's going to go poorly at some point. Yeah. <laughs> just, huh. I mean, she's going to say, hey, where's that tricky sword I gave you? Oh, yeah. I gave that to Max's girlfriend. Yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, One more thing that I want to mention about the story is the reveal of the immortals at the beginning of the book. Yes. You know, they they reference a bunch of them. Obviously, you see um, Alice Seward, uh, Ra's al Ghul, the Wizard Shazam. They make reference to the Phantom Stranger, um, Vandal Savage, the Shining, uh, not the Shining Knight. What's the, well, maybe that is his name. Um, Shining Knight, um, uh, Etrigan. The House of Secrets and Mysteries. Mm-hmm. Um, the Grove of Ancient Humanoid Planets. Um, I don't remember. They're from the Swamp Thing book, but I don't recall what they're called. Um, Uncle Sam, a man as old as America. So, uh, I, uh, interesting concept that these immortals have been around. I, I, it's, it's funny because this book, you referenced the original Secret Wars. I'm getting a strong Jonathan Hickman current Secret Wars vibe right, from right. it. You know, with the Illuminati and the multiverse and things like that. Um, regardless, and, and either is a, is a good comparison to good books. So yeah. hopefully metal well, I, next month. I like, good. I like that all these immortals get together and have little conventions. Yeah. And, and we're matching uniforms, matching costumes. That's right. That's right. You, you got, you got to wear this ridiculous robe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. I'll wear the robe. I've been around for forever, but I'm going to wear what you're wearing. Yeah. I, I've been around for forever. And you know, why are we still wearing something that we wore 3000 years ago? I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> My robe is so smelly. Yeah. 
Well, also from DC Comics this week, Aaron convinced me to read Red Hood and the Outlaws. Well, I should say we had a deal. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a uh, it was a you know a, what, what do they call those a Mexican standoff, right? I was going to say the, the Ponte Accord, yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah. So you know, Paul wanted to read a book. You know, he's like, "Hey, I'm reading this book," and I said, "I said, well, what is it?" And it's uh, Dread Gods, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. And I said, well, is it good? Do I need to read it? And he's like, well, yeah, maybe. And and I said, well, I, you know, I, 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 there could be a deal on the table because I read Red Hood and the Outlaws this week and was drawn in simply by the cover. Yeah, same here. Uh, the uh, it has the uh, Superman symbol reversed, which is Bizarro's symbol, and it's all bloody like the like the Doomsday storyline. And uh, so I read it and and convinced Paul to do the same through. A dark, dark bargain. Yes. Yes. So, so, Paul. Yes, sir. Tell me what you thought. So, Red Hood and the Outlaws is written by S- Scott Lubdell. And not a fan, by the way. Not a fan. <laughs> uh, art by Dexter Soy. Um, he's got kind of a, a very manga sensibility to his art, like old school manga type stuff. Um, I, I liked this book. I liked this book quite a bit. I will say one thing that dis- that that there were two things about this book that I didn't like. So you know, obviously they portray the death of Bizarro, you know, on the cover with that bloody Superman symbol, and we do get the death of New Fifty Two Bizarro in this book. Um, but there are one thing. There are two things that I found very interesting. One is that Bizarro does not speak in the opposite speak like he normally does. Right. I found that distracting to me. Um, and I don't know, it, you know, because I haven't been reading this book, I don't know if that's something that he has been cured of. But I found it very interesting that, you know, he wasn't speaking in that speak. And two, the end of this book gives me the impression that this death of Bizarro thing is only going to last one issue. Exactly. I mean, that, that, is the, that is really my only complaint about the book is that it, it seems like, OK, well, we killed him and we're going to bring him back next issue. Yeah. Right. Because uh, he had a great death scene, honestly. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. It was moving. You know, there are really three main characters in the book. You've got Red Hood, you've got Artemis, yes, right, and uh, and Bizarro, and uh, somebody we don't know who releases Solomon Grundy from uh, Arkham Asylum to wreak havoc across Gotham. Uh, Bizarro's cells are decaying rapidly and he's on his deathbed at the beginning of the book and so red hood and artemis have to leave aside now the important thing to note is you know generally speaking bizarro's a a misunderstood bad guy meaning that he's he doesn't he's not really like an evil person typically speaking but you know he's he is so he has such a skewed view he winds up hurting things well apparently in the pages of red hood and the outlaws he he has been uh, sort of redeemed, corrected, coached, and he has been a force for good and has become a valued uh, member of Red Hood and the Outlaws. And, you know, you can you can, the the sense of commitment and loyalty and friendship that Artemis and Red Hood have for him, I mean, is palpable from the jump. Uh, you know, they are they are very concerned. There's nothing they can do to save him. His Kryptonian cells, you know, as they say in the in the book, you just can't clone them. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so they're decaying. And, you know, he, he's always they've always known he was going to have a, a short shelf life. Well, they you know, Artemis and Red Hood leave his sick bed to uh, go take care of the Solomon Grundy situation. And Solomon Grundy is just handing them their asses. I mean, it looks really bad. It looks like both of them are going to be dead before it's all said and done. Uh, Bizarro hears it from his deathbed and leaves against doctor's orders to go save the day, which he does. And that last page has Lex Luthor showing up, hovering over uh, Bizarro's body. And you've got that look like, oh, well, Lex is just going to fix all this. Yeah. I mean, Lex was the one who created this iteration of Bizarro anyway. Right. Um, You know, which... I guess that's still intact after the reboot, you know, after Superman yeah. Reborn, because I, you know, so we're not going with the the Square Planet Bizarro anymore, right? Right. But and I'm fine with that. I I'm, I don't need a Square Planet Bizarro. So, are you picking up Red Hood and the Outlaws number thirteen, or are you one and done? No, I think, I think I'm picking up the next one. All right. I I think I think I want to I want to see where this storyline goes. All right. Yeah, I'm curious. And what it probably means is the next time. 
what it probably means is that the next time there's a sale, I'm going to pick up the arc in front of this one. Yeah, I could but see that. I, I enjoyed it enough. I enjoyed it enough. I concur. You know, the reason that I had jumped out of Red Hood and the Outlaws is that I read like the first issue of it in the New 52, and I couldn't stand the way any of the characters were talking. You know, like Starfire was in that book, right? Yeah. And I mean, she she was just talking like a bimbo, and uh, I just none of the characters sounded correct to me. So the I thought they were they were well voiced, and maybe it's because there are some entire pages where nobody's talking. <laughs> maybe that's the issue. Yeah. But uh, yeah, because same know, writer. Gonna, yeah, I, I, I have always liked Artemis, uh, so I'm I'm gonna pick up I'm gonna pick up the next issue, and like I said, I'll probably buy some of the back issues. Yeah. Um, uh, before we move on, can I say that I love the tribute page that uh, DC has put into their books this week for Adam West? I was about to say something about that, actually. Yeah, I, I think it's a gorgeous page. Yeah. You know, it's got a picture of, of West in his old uh, Batman getup, and you know, it's got a little quote of him that says, I never had to say I'm Batman. I showed up. People knew I was Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I like it. It's, it's, a, it's a great picture. Yeah. And in addition to that, each book has had an ad for the new Mr. Miracle book. Yes. By uh, Tom King and Mitch Jarrett's. Aaron, I'm so excited. Yeah, I know you are. It looks good. So excited. Yeah. Well, and all of those uh, Jack Kirby books that they've got coming out in August look pretty hot. Yeah, this is good. This is a good time to be a New Gods Jack Kirby fan. Um, it, I think we've talked about the uh, the Jack Kirby specials that are coming out uh, mm-hmm. previously, but um, you know they they have all the creative teams and covers. And other than, I probably won't be picking up the Newsboy Legion. Yeah, nor will I. I'm not. A, I'm not a Newsboy Legion fan. Well, nor am I a Howard Chaykin fan. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the fence about the Sandman special. Um, you know, it's the, the, what, what, what interests me about the Sandman special, in addition to being written by Dan Jurgens and Steve Orlando, is that it has art by John Bogdanov and Rick mm-hmm. Marty. Um, yeah. That's very intriguing. The other four, I think I'm on board for. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I am, too. I think I think I'm on board for exactly those four. Yeah. Uh, that Dark Side special by Mark Evanier and Scott um, Collins. I know you're I know you're rocking a chubby right now. Paul. I am fiending for that book. <laughs> Especially since Dark Side's dead, but I'm assuming these are out of continuity specials. Yeah. So, another book from DC Comics this week, Detective Comics number 960, continues the story of Azrael. Um, you know that that we talked about last issue. We talked about uh, James Tynion the Fourth, but we very much focused on the art of Alvaro Martinez and how beautiful it was. He's also the artist on this issue. Um, I don't believe we had Tim with us last time we discussed this issue. So, Tim, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on Intelligence Part Three. Well, I, I mean, I'll echo your statements on the art. The art in this book is beautiful. Um, what I, and I think that part that leads to the. Uh, Leads to the intrigue on this Escalion character, the the new Azrael. Yeah. So the fact that he looks badass helps the storyline for me. Um, I don't know. There were some good points and bad points. Um, I I I've always loved the tortured Azrael character. Like I've always liked that. I never. I liked it more in the Batman books than I did his own book. But yeah. I I you know I I'm a fan of that general idea. Um, so that was a high. This whole storyline has been about him, and it's it's good because they've been working. Detective Comics has basically been a, a way to spotlight other characters in the Batman family. You know, we had B- Batwoman was was highlighted pretty pretty well in a book. We had a couple books. We had Spoiler in one book. So that's kind of what this is turning into, which isn't necessarily the team team book that I was thinking it would be. Although you know, you do see them all work together. Um, Lucius uh, is, it's not Lucius, it's his son, Nathan, Nate, Batwing. Yeah. Lu- uh, yeah. 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 Whatever. I think it's Nate. Anyways, <laughs> he's, he's kind of a dumbass, Paul. Yeah. He's like, you know, this incredible killing robot machine. I want to put his code in all these other robots because that would be interesting. And yeah. you know what? The dude's like, the, the d- <laughs> Skellion shows up. He's like, "That's a great idea." 
Oh, so it's like, yeah, you're supposed to be very intelligent. I, it's one of those things, Paul, where it's like, you know, you're really intelligent, but you're also kind of a dumbass. Yeah. Like, I'm going to reverse engineer <laughs> this murder bot because it has great AI. And right. that won't go wrong at all. No, no, we can handle it. Well, no, let's not put it into like an like you know an Apple IIe or anything. <laughs> no, yeah. let's let's put it in the machines of death. <laughs> so no, I I enjoyed it. Good art, uh, uh, inter- interesting story, um, and uh, I, I I am definitely on board to see where it goes. Yeah, his name is Luke Fox. I just looked it up. Um, Luke, not- Fox, yes, yeah. or Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah Luke. got it. Um, and so. One thing that I want to mention about this book is, you know, you mentioned earlier that you you like the Azrael stuff in the pages of Batman. I, I did too. I actually am, am a fan of the Nightfall and Night Quest and Night's End storylines. Um, you know, I, I I understand that a lot of people hate it, but I think the whole point was to make you dislike Azrael so that and and to crave Bruce Wayne back. Um, mm. You know, I think it was a response to everyone kind of going towards that um, 90s uh, killing superhero phase. And DC was like, well, if that's what you want Batman to be like, here, we're going to show you what Batman's like if he's a killing machine. And, you know, people didn't like it and they wanted Bruce Wayne back. And so I think DC proved their point. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of interesting aspects to Azrael's character. Um, and I, I'm, I, I have seen uh, a cover of an upcoming issue of Detective Comics that shows Azrael in the... Batman armor that he wore back in the nineties, and I'm like, yes, cannot wait. I'm in. Yes, sign me up. I'm so very excited about what's coming up in Detective Comics. Even though I skipped Action Comics, if you're looking at our outline, but now we can talk about Action Comics, Aaron. <laughs> I was very concerned that you had skipped Action Comics, particularly because there's some spectacular Kryptonian beatdown happening in this in this book. Yes. Look- yeah, let me let me just say I was out on Superman. Like after the Mister Mixoplick thing, I'm like, I don't need to read this book anymore. That's that's terrible. <laughs> I I'm glad that I kept getting put in my pull box, and I was I was like, whatever, because the this is the this fight that they set up for this issue. First of all, there wasn't enough of it, but the parts that I got, I enjoyed. Yeah, You know, if I would feel, you know how Detective Comics is like the team book for Batman. I feel like if they wanted to make Superman, Superman only, you know, Superman and family with uh, Pete Tomasi and Pat Gleason and Doug Mensch, um, if, if they stuck that book and they wanted to change Action Comics into the Superman team book with this with this team of super beings that don't always have their own books. You're right. I would be totally on board with that. Yeah. I would too, as long as everybody but Lex Luthor was there. What? Why? Why not Lex? <laughs> Lex is your favorite. No, 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 no I, that, I just meant just him. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> so I, I said it. I, I said it in reverse. Like, yeah, it could be. It could it's, be a team book if the team was Lex Luthor, or he was the does leader mean, of the group. Does that does that mean you're Bizarro, Tim? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what he meant. He, he was speaking in reverse speak. Yeah. You really can't, you really can't clone those Tim cells. <laughs> We'll talk about clones in a little bit. I uh, I enjoyed this book. I really did. It's just a whole bunch of fighting. Meanwhile, Lois and John are, are in the fortress trying to figure out how the hell they get out of there because, you know, they can't let Zod know that they're around. And I was really hoping, you know, you know, Superman's got his fortress of solitude much as Batman has his Batcave. And so there's this hall of vehicles and, you know, uh, technology that Superman has. And I was just scanning the pages, Paul, for a glimpse of the old Supermobile. I really want – because wouldn't that have been badass to see Lois piloting the supermobile? You know, that, that, that you know, little jet capsule thing with the, with the arm extenders? You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Oh, yeah. I would have loved to have seen that. I didn't see a glimpse of it. I just kept seeing a bunch of Kryptonian war armor Lame. that they were teasing me with. Well, you know, let's be honest. You know, I mean, you know, they 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 have a fake out that Lois and and John were in a shuttle that Zod ex- explodes. You know that that was a fu- uh, you know a red that herring. Not true. So it's fake news. Um. So at the end of the book, Zod, you know, who has been seeking the Phantom Zone projector, you know, because we thought, you know, he's gonna he wants to release his Kryptonian army from the Phantom Zone. No, he wants to send Superman and all his little friends. To the Phantom Zone, which he does 
with one exception. He does not send Supergirl. I'm a little concerned about that, Paul. Did he not I send fe- Supergirl? I, I missed no, that. Like, if you look at that bottom page after he sent everybody, Supergirl's laying at his, at his feet. Oh, you're right. They don't, they don't draw a lot of attention to it, but there she is. And, I, you know, I think I know what's going on there. I think that uh, – I think Zod is wanting to repopulate the Earth with his own children. And you got to have a Kryptonian to do that, thus Supergirl. Hmm. I think what we have here is a breeding pair of Kryptonians. Maybe, maybe. I I mean, I really do. I'm just like, oh, this is going to go to a dark place, (laughs) (laughs) you know. And I do, you know, they're standing right in front of a suit of Kryptonian war armor. And I'm just going to bet that Lois and or John are inside it. Yeah. Lois has demonstrated a capacity to pilot other vehicles. (laughs) We saw that when she was, uh, you know, driving the, the, what was it? The Batwing and the, uh. Uh, she she drove Frankenstein's motorcycle. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, if you're looking at her, her Savage Worlds character sheet, she's got at least a six in driving. So uh, I, I, I think that I, I think that, you know, Lois is in that armor. I, I, I would imagine so. I think you're right. So but, you know, also imprisoned in the Phantom Zone are the Eradicator and cyborg. So, you know, Zod did the old switcheroo on uh, two of his allies. And so, you know, Superman, Steel, Superwoman, Chinese Superman, and Lex are all floating in the Phantom Zone alongside Cyborg Superman and the Eradicator. So, should be an interesting next issue. Yeah. I'm, I'm, this storyline, I'm very curious. It, it, it took a turn that I wasn't expecting, which you don't say that very often, right? In I, comics. Yeah. I also note that Crypto isn't there. Ah, and you know Crypto, he can kick some ass. That's right. That's right. So, so should be interesting. So, Aaron, I feel like we should talk about the other side of our accord. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, the other side was that I asked Aaron to read IDW's um, and Ominous Press's Dread Gods from Ron Mars and Tom Rainey. Um, there is also a backup story written and drawn by Bart Sears. Um, you know, this and, a di- is, and a digital ash can or something, right? Yeah, a digital like, ash can is something else that's unrelated yeah. to the yeah. Ominous Press. So Ominous Press, they kind of set up this, you know, they, they at the end of the book, they I wish it was at the beginning of the book, um, but at the end of the book, they show what the concept of Ominous Press is, which is that there are seven worlds. Um, it's almost kind of like a, a Rifts setting, in, except instead of lands, we have planets. And each planet has its own concept. One is sword and sorcery, one science fantasy, one science fiction, one steam-styled horror, one cyber noir. So, you know, you, you kind of get all these different um, fantastical aspects just, you know, explained away as different planets, all coveted by the single dark god so you can set up for a, a later crossover. And so, I, you know, when I asked Aaron to read this, I had just started reading it. Um, and I, and the art by Tom Rainey was gorgeous. So I'm like, you know, I sent Aaron a picture and he asked if it was good. And that's why we had our pact. Aaron, what did you think of Dread Gods number one? Uh, let me say, I, I had no idea what to expect. You know, I mean, other than Ron Mars wrote it and I like Ron Mars and, uh, that the artwork that Paul had shared with me was pretty hot. Um, so I was surprised when this, the first story was so abbreviated, um, uh, and, you know, I, as I as I read on through the book, I realized, oh, this is just giving you a taste before the real action starts in the ongoing series, that they're launching a whole new universe over at IDW. And it's funny. I mean, I had no idea. You know, this reminds me of, you know, like when Dark Horse was launching their comics greatest world or when Malibu rolled out or something. You know, this is a rollout of a whole new comic universe. But I mean, I I've seen no press on this. And I'm sure there's press out there, but I haven't seen it. I've seen a little bit. You know, I, I have seen some. I haven't seen, yeah. you know, like, it, it because it doesn't have a Hollywood movie star attached to it. Right. You know, or a movie deal already. Um, you know, I, I've seen comic news regarding it, but certainly not like a USA Today article or anything like that. Well, I haven't seen any of the comic news of it. But, you know, I I just was, was surprised that I had that that it, this is as big a deal as it is and i knew so very little about it mm-hmm. but um you know i i the, the the first story i liked rather a lot i mean i think it's intriguing you've got all these people you know jacking in 
for their daily entertainment. Entertainment is rationed like food stamps in mm-hmm. this uh, dystopian future. Um, and, and I just thought that was that was fascinating. And people are fighting over for jacks to be able to jack into the entertainment. Uh, and the entertainment is, you know, gods fighting. You know, it's it's the Zeus and his Olympian gods fighting uh, Hades and and his uh, his uh, you know warriors. And I just I thought it was fascinating. And of course, the art is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it ends with a call. You know, the you know Zeus Zeus says, you know, uh, you know, we must find a way to be free. If only someone would help us is the last thing that Zeus says before the entertainment ends. And you know, you've got one guy who's disabled, who's been jacked in, and he feels like Zeus is talking directly to him. You know, and he's like, "What? Wait, but you know, how can I help you? What can I do?" And everybody else is like, "Okay, well, that's our entertainment. We're walking away." But he's taking a deeper message from it. So it'll be. I'm, I'm really curious to see where that goes. I think. I think the story is fascinating. I agree. Yeah, and it's a, it's an interesting sort of world that that kind of rings a little true to you know the one we live in. You know, so I'm interested in it. Yeah, I thought I you know I really enjoyed the first story, and you know I picked it up because the creative team, you know, friend of Funny Books, Ron Mars. Um, you know, artist Tom Rainey, I've always been a fan of. So I really enjoyed the art. I really liked the concept. Very curious to see where it goes. I enjoyed less so the Giant Killer mm-hmm. storyline by uh, Bart Sears. I didn't understand it. I, I feel I, like I'm missing something there. I don't yeah. think it was bad. I feel like I'm missing something. I thought it was well drawn. I, I like the character designs of both, you know, Archon and uh, uh, it's not White Queen, is it? It's White. Aurora the White. Yeah, the white. Um, I, I enjoyed both of their designs, but there was something very '90s era image about it that I didn't care for. Um, yeah, you know, like particularly the the design of the what they the creature that they call rat. You know, I just I, I did not care for that. But you know, I thought it was interesting. I just don't think I got enough of it. Yeah. Um, I also read Diablo House. Oh, I did not. the third the third story, and, and you know the uh, or it's, it's a third sort of preview pages and it kind of previews some stuff. But I, I think the thing to look at, Paul, they gave you some pages from Colby Eternal and I'd been kind of laughing that off. That looks kind of hot. I may have to jump into some Colby Eternal because yeah. uh, that looked pretty cool. Yeah, Colby Eternal seemed pretty decent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I will clarify with Ominous Press, this is not the first book released by them, but it is the first book released um in in this distribution method you know it, it, yeah. you know the first uh, you know they made the deal with IDW they have self published some comics i believe only available at the ominous press website um ominouspress.com or um you know if you see them in a table at a convention you can get the books there i i believe those will be redistributed under the IDW publishing deal but this is the first you know this is kind of the first widely distributed book um which is a good introduction to the world i mean it, it, you get the concept um, of of what's going on here? Yeah. So yeah. So I, I this was this was not a spaceman uh, or a repeat of spaceman, Paul. <laughs> uh, this was actually pretty good, and yeah. uh, I, I I I am intrigued and will buy another issue of the uh, Ron Mars book. Great. Well, I, what I'm intrigued about is Tim's purchase of Amazing Spider-Man number thirty this week. Yeah. What? That's crazy, isn't it? What's going on there, Tim? Uh, they, but, truly, he is Bizarro Tim. So, <laughs> Spider-Man 29 came out uh, a couple weeks ago, and I picked that up because it had a kind of a black Spider-Man costume with uh, mechanical arms attached. So I'm like, oh, I know who this is, right? So I was like, okay, let's let's see what's going on, and it was. It was it was the story you would think. It's Doc Ock who's back, um, and he's uh, kind of trying to take over Parker Industries, the the company that fairly he he's the one that set up, right? And so it it's 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 kind of interesting watching Peter, who's sort of turned a little bit Tony Stark, and you know from being in charge of a billion dollar industry, um, kind of. Try to justify the fact that Doc Ock is sort of right. And that's kind of why I bought the book, because Doc Ock Spider-Man was really good. And it's Dan Slott, Stuart Amonin, which is the team that was doing that. So I was like, mm, 
Yeah, we can give this a try. Um, so here's what happens. In, in 29, he faces Doc Ock, and it's kind of a standoff where Ock gets what he wants, but Peter makes him uh, you know, flee the scene, basically. Um, and this next issue, it starts off with three or four pages from whatever the hell they're doing in in Marvel Comics now. The, the Captain America... The Secret uh, Empire. Yeah, that crap. Which came out of nowhere. And I was... It, Immediately derailed me. Like, I don't care. He's kissing Mockingbird at the end. of Like, I don't care about any of this. But once I got back to the actual story that I cared about, which was, like I said, uh, Doc Ock trying to take over Parker Industries, uh, it was a really good story. Um, the, Stuart Amonin, you don't have to say more than that. Like, his art's... I've, I've never seen... A, well, I, I don't remember seeing a bad Stuart Amonin book. I guess here's my problem, though. This guy comes out every other week, and he's three ninety nine, and I don't think he's on par with with Action Comics right now. Yeah, which is the same thing. It's an every other week two ninety nine book. So I, it's like if it was on the same level, I would at least consider it. It's close. It's good, but it's such an investment of money. Yeah, I think biweekly books. I think two ninety nine is the bo- is the most you can go with a biweekly book. Um, you know, it, it, it. I know it's only a dollar, and I know it's only two dollars a month. But you know, when you're talking two dollars a month, you're basically talking I can buy three comics for the price of two issues of Amazing Spider-Man. Especially, you know, with a five dollar issue every couple of issues, it seems. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I'm on the fence. Like I said, the artwork is good, the storyline is good. It's just the the nature of of the of the beast of of what they've made over there. Is 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 causing me delay, and honestly, I'll flip through the next one, and if it doesn't have any Secret Empire junk in it, I'll consider it because I'm kind of intrigued. Because at at the end of this book, um, Peter has got him surrounded by these spider bots that he made, like like giant like not mech warriors, but you know, like basically Iron Man spider guys, and Doc basically took him over. Because, as he said, he's like, I, I wrote the code. Are you stupid? <laughs> so so I, I sort of want to see that turn on Peter because I, I, I kind of want to see Doc kick his ass. So uh, I, I'm buying this book for all the wrong reasons. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I've i enjoyed it so far because it's kind of hitting that niche. But as to the long-term effects, like, when it's not focused on nostalgia, am I going to want to read it? I think the answer is probably not. Yeah. You so know, there you go. I know uh, the first arc when it comes to Marvel Legacy is going to be called The Fall of Peter Parker. So I'm assuming, you know, that this Parker Industries thing is not long for this world. No, part, part, of, part of what happened in the last issue was just basically PR. Doc is left. <laughs> what he did is he set off something that happened and – they they cut to the news. It's like oh, over in Parker Industries is massive darkness happening. Da 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 da. And that was that, yeah. So he's trying to ruin him and get like the parts pieces that he he wants out of it. Yeah. So it, like I said, interesting storyline and you know the fall of Peter Parker. I, I, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So next week, San Diego Comic Con is going on. Woo. So none of us will be there, but we will fill you in on all the news that has been released by the time we record. Um, I'm sure a ton of interesting stuff is going to be announced. Uh, I'm sure we'll get another look at the new Justice League movie. And Star Trek Discovery. And Star Trek Discovery. Um, perhaps, you know, some some more information on other DC movies coming. Um, I know they're going to do a, a screening of the new Batman and Harley Quinn movie. Uh, tons of interesting stuff. I mean, it's San Diego Comic Con. You know, it's it's Christmas for for us comic fans. So, really looking forward to chatting about what's coming out then. Very exciting. So, Aaron, it's it's, it's sort of like Christmas. Only all of us observe Hanukkah. Yeah, that's we don't exactly. Really get <laughs> so, Aaron. So, yes, I feel like we want feedback on this episode, and we want it via the ideology of madness hotline. We do. So, you know, if you'd like to uh, tell us what you think about the comics we discussed or maybe recommend something that we haven't discussed, 
Give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, is 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. In fact, I'm about to send one out right now. Right now. I sort, of feel, I sort of feel like if they, if they do offer an opinion on a book that gets read, that should be a, that should be a feature. Paul reads the reader's request. That's right. That's right. I like it. Yeah, I like it. I don't know yeah, why so, it has to be me, so, but I so like it. So pick some crappy book for Paul to read because yeah. we still must pay him back for Spaceman. Spaceman, yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, well, Paul, I guess I'll see you for dinner tomorrow. Yes, I will. I'll be down in Texas this week. Um, hopefully, I will have an opportunity. My goal is to have an opportunity to check out the Six Flags down there, so make sure you're checking out our YouTube channel. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll fill you in on what happened next week on the show. Paul's coming in for his mid-year review. I have some remarks for you, Paul. Oh, I'm looking forward to him. <laughs> All right. Tim, thank yep. you for joining us today. Always a pleasure, as ever. Wayne, that's thank- necessarily true. <laughs> Wayne, thank you for not showing up. Everybody else, have a great week. Bye. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.